Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 10 o'clock on the dot for 2023. It's 420, yo, it's 420. SpaceX uh their big old spaceship exploded mid-flight uh from what i get out of that is that that was a like a possibility that that was not exactly for the test they from what i understand it seems to me like they were just trying to see if it would if they could get that heavy off of the launch pad now i'm not a fan of elon musk but everybody who's sitting there taking a victory lap that uh the uh what spaceship or whatever the hell that thing's called exploded stop please just stop if you go back and you look at nasa's history like when we during the like the the titan uh that was the titan four or whatever the thing that we were sending you know doing moonshots with when that thing was being experimented on do you have any idea how many mid-flight explosions there were and that's just titan I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of rocketry that w- they were just trying to get the thing off the damn pad and everything else was, you know, if they got it, hey, great. If not, whoop de doo hey, we got it off the pad. Now, if the Spaceship X or whatever it's called exploded on the pad, well, that's that would be a different deal. But, I'm, you know, as much as I'm not a fan of Elon Musk and I'm not really that much of a fan of SpaceX, it seems a little juvenile to take a victory lap when the major experiment here seemed to be just to see if it would get off of the pad. And along the same lines, and the reason that I'm, I, I'm not trying to chastise anybody here is just that we do need to learn how to be better. And I'm included in that shit too, by the way. I'm not, believe me, man, all the things that I'm telling you right now is shit that I'm guilty of. Right. So don't think that I'm like trying to, you know, put on my angel wings and teach everybody how to actually act. That's not the point. The point is, is that all of us kind of suck and we need to stop sucking. (laughs) And the way that we do that is, you know, there's that whole saying, be humble, stack sats. Okay. Well, be gracious and live your life. Allow others to live theirs. And not, let's, I mean, how much energy are people spending taking victory laps about Spaceship X? A lot. A lot. There's a ton. And you know who else, you know who else is getting victory lapped right now is Bitcoin Magazine. Why? Well, people were very angry about Bitcoin Magazine and their whole ordinal inscription. And I get it. I understand that. I'm not happy about it either. I think that, and, and, they're, and they ran an article today that I'm not going to read about how everybody's excited about stamps. And I, I just, I don't get it. But be that as it may, their Twitter account has been locked. 
and people are taking victory laps, saying, good, serves you right, and all the other shit that goes along with it. Um, no. From Nick Can't Mine, who works over there at Bitcoin Magazine, uh, he's on his personal account, he said that Twitter automatically locked Bitcoin Magazine after I changed our birth date in the settings. Working with Twitter now to get this resolved, we will hopefully be back ASAP. And then he's got a picture of the Bitcoin Magazine Twitter account, which is all black and gray. It says Bitcoin Magazine at Bitcoin Magazine. This account doesn't exist. Some people had it that, you know, with the picture of it that said that Bitcoin Magazine's account has been suspended and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they're not expelled, right? They told everybody that if you made any changes, if you, especially if you got a blue check, if you made any changes at all, to the bio or any of the information in the uh, biography section of your account, it would automatically be locked. And I guess Nick Campmine can't re couldn't remember. <laughs> and I like Nick Campmine, so you know, don't get me wrong. But it's an honest mistake. <clears throat> so for the people out there that are taking victory laps about Bitcoin Magazine and SpaceX, just stop. It's not worth your time. That's what I'm really getting at. It doesn't produce anything. It's you know, there are people that are called uh, psychic vampires. These are the people that will suck the air out of the room the second that they enter because they're just filled with negativity, right? And if we can stop doing that, could you imagine what the environment would be like? This is one of the reasons why I'm so in love with Noster. And yet even then, I saw some people on Noster taking victory laps about SpaceX. And... It, my question about almost everything is, what does one gain with any action X? You perform an action, what's the gain? And if there is nothing to be gained, then surely the chances are very good that you'll quote unquote suck the air out of the room for everybody else involved and bring them down. And we really don't need that. It's, it's, it's a hell of a fight. <laughs> as it is, and we really don't need psychic vampires piling on about shit that not only doesn't affect us, but we can't affect it. So let Elon do whatever the hell Elon's going to do. Apparently he has still, as of yet, to sell any of his remaining Bitcoin. That particular news article I won't read, but it did come out that in the first quarter <clears throat> of this year, he has not sold any more Bitcoin. So, you know, there's that. I wish the same could be said for that idiot that sold 16,000 Bitcoin all at once in a market sell on, uh, on Binance or whatever. But the, uh, down, the downward slope continues, and I called it, uh, the, my bottom was going to be 28,250, and I was thinking somewhere between 28,250 and 28,500, and we have indeed slipped uh, right to those levels. Does that mean that I'm right and we won't go any lower? Hell, I don't know. And honestly, I don't give a shit. We've got better fish to fry like this one. The European Union lauds the comprehensive regulation as MICA crypto law has passed. Oh boy, here it goes. I told y'all yesterday it was going up for a vote. They voted on it and it passed. Decrypt. Alice Key tells us more. The European Parliament has voted through landmark legislation on cryptocurrency, which will bring in new rules for the industry across the 27-country block. Markets and Crypto Assets, or MICA, 
passed with 517 votes in favor of and a measly 38 against with 18 abstentions at a meeting in Strasbourg today. Crypto firms, including Binance, Coinbase, and Kraken, welcomed the passing of the landmark legislation, while Stefan Berger, the MEP who led the bill's creation, said in an emailed statement that Europe is now the first continent with comprehensive regulation for crypto assets. In order for the new coins to be approved in the EU, it must be ensured in future that their business model will not endanger our currency stability. The new supervisory structures will also be a bulwark against Lehman Brother moments like the crypto exchange FTX, end quote. The MICA legislation means that the EU will have a unified approach to crypto asset regulation across all 27 member states, making it possible for firms approved in one country to, quote, passport their business into others with minimal additional paperwork. But to achieve initial approval, firms will face much higher standards of disclosure, including the preparation of a detailed white paper for each asset offered. Stablecoin issuers, meanwhile, are subject to even tighter rules, including holding sufficient cash to back up customer funds. MICA will also ask crypto firms to report the environmental impact of their their activities in a compromise measure after lawmakers removed an all-out ban on the proof-of-work mechanism from an earlier draft. While concerns have been raised about the possible administrative burden of MICA on small firms, Many crypto companies have welcomed the European Union's recognition of the industry. Quote, the European Parliament's adoption of MICA today is a pivotal moment in the crypto industry in the region and the work of European policymakers, (coughs) thieves, uh, should be seen as exemplary, uh, said Tom Duff Gordon, vice president of international policy at Coinbase. Quote, The region is recognizing the potential and societal promises that emerging technology can provide. Yeah, the EU is stepping up to the mark, while other notable jurisdictions are struggling to provide a solid, cohesive regulatory framework that gives clarity to a burgeoning, innovative industry, end quote. The vote also prompted crypto commentators to contrast the EU's approach with that of other countries, quote, Crypto needs a simple but comprehensive legal framework to grow, commented Monty Metzger, founder of Liechtenstein-based exchange LCX on Twitter. Earlier this week, he suggested MICA showed us or showed that the U.S. and Asia are falling behind on crypto regulation. Quote, regulation by enforcement, like in the U.S., is not a solution. We need rules and guidelines to let technology innovation happen. Richard Tang, regional head of Europe and MENA at Binance, said that the regulatory landscape was shifted forward with today's vote. Quote, MICA will bring regulatory clarity to one of the largest markets in the world, making the EU an even more attractive place for Web3 companies to innovate and attract talent, he said. So what I read to you was a whole bunch of people taking a victory lap around something that is going to be used against their best interest in the future. I'm surprised that they don't know it. I'm surprised that they're lauding this. I really am, especially those people that are from exchanges and what, like, you know, Coinbase and Kraken and Binance are all rah, rah. Well, it's going to be used against you. And the fact that you don't understand that yet makes me believe that you're just as naive as everybody has been for decades. And you're going to get burned. They're going to get burned by it. It's not that 
I'm not saying that regulation won't happen everywhere else in the world. It will. But you got to, I mean, really the impetus is upon us to figure out ways around all regulations everywhere. No matter whether it's crypto or Bitcoin or Lightning Network or money transmission, even outside of finance, right? What are like code regulations on your house? Can you build something without a building permit? You know, can you have animals upon your land? You know, and if you can't, how do you, how do you circum, uh, circumvent that situation? And what I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it, the impetus really is upon us to figure out ways around every regulation that there is without getting thrown in jail or find an immense amount of money. We got, we need to be, remember how Bruce Lee used to say, be like water. Sometimes I never really understand exactly what that meant. And sometimes I do. And I think when he says be like water, it's not just a one thing, like be like water so that you can do this one X. Water does an amazing amount of different things. The chemistry of water by itself is a rabbit hole all by itself. If next time you look at a pool of water, understand that if I'm looking at that same pool of water, I'm looking at it in a completely different way, right? simply because of the book called The Fourth Phase of Water. And if you have not read that book, The Fourth Phase of Water, you need to read that book entitled The Fourth Phase of Water. If it doesn't completely blow your stack off the top of your shoulders, then you either are, I don't know, being distracted by Netflix while you're trying to read it, or you just don't understand it. But it's written simply, However, the chemistry that's going on in a humble glass of water is beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. But in this particular case, when Bruce Lee says, be like water, I think that this particular X that water can do is find the holes. The greatest thing about water is that it, if it can find a way out of its containment vessel, it will find a way out of its containment vessel and it doesn't really have to think that hard about it. Using gravity and its own chemical nature, it is able to get through things. Be like water. Let's see if we can get around all this stupid crap. Now, Bitcoin researchers introduced CivKit, a P2P marketplace built on Nostra and the Lightning Network. Yes, I've brought this to you before. Now I want to see how BTC Casey from Bitcoin Magazine has digested it for himself because I can read something and think something, but I like reading what other people think about the exact same thing. Sort of like you looking at a pool of water and me looking at the same pool of water and we're seeing two completely different things. Yeah, this is why I'm getting into this one. Bitcoin enthusiasts have introduced a new academic white paper detailing the sieve kit which aims to establish a peer-to-peer -peer electronic market system that is resistant to censorship as well as being permissionless. The paper was authored by Antoine Riard, Nicholas Gregory, and Ray Youssef, who have shared the paper with the Bitcoin developer community for feedback. The Civ Kit combines the Noster architecture with the Lightning Network prioritizing privacy and security through escrowed trades, decentralized identity, moderation, a P2P mes messaging protocol, and know your peer oracles for adjudication, a press release 
shared with Bitcoin Magazine stated, the system aims to support all kinds of trading, including goods and services. Quote, the researchers will gradually release code and modules extensively building on top of the Lightning Dev Kit and Noster libraries, the press release explained. Quote, CivKit development will bind to the same open source and transparency standards as Bitcoin Core and LibSec P256K1. End quote. The CivKit's design will emphasize trust and reputation within the marketplace, and the press release described how borrowing and lending can be added by using a universal credit score for all traders calculated by a combination of successful trades called Web of Stakes and Web of Trust techniques that act as a trustless source of truth. Pausing to say, if I had to have a credit score, I definitely want it to be a credit score by my actual actions rather than a group of people who represent, you know, $90 trillion of debt for a single country. I mean, if I got to have a credit score, I want it to be this credit score and not experience credit score because let's face it, they can't even keep their data secure. Continuing on, the CivKit has been peer-reviewed by some of the best minds in the Lightning and Discrete Log Contract Engineering com Communities, the press release said. Nicholas Gregory, one of the authors of the CivKit, has been involved in developing Bitcoin infrastructure since 2016 and hopes that the initiative will boost Bitcoin's circular economy. He stated, quote, I truly hope this initiative serves as a unique piece of the puzzle to boost Bitcoin's circular economy, which, if we're honest, has not reached its full potential in 2023. Ray Youssef, founder of Paxful and the Built with Bitcoin Foundation, another of the paper's authors, said he is committed to carrying on the work of Satoshi Nakamoto to provide the world with the ability to build unstoppable free markets. Quote, the title of the Bitcoin white paper spoke about a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. Yet the P2P industry is under attack from international powers who feed off of centralized fiat currencies and they control or and the control that they wield, Youssef said. Continuing, he said, at the same time, billions of people have been regulated to non-existence by this failed system. Bitcoin is the solution and we're not backing down, end quote. The team behind the white paper is working to integrate the research into No One's, N-O-O-N-E-S, a new company dedicated to financial freedom in the global south. The CivKit is open for collaboration and publicly available on GitHub. And you can go to github.com forward slash CivKit, C-I-V-K-I-T, if you want to read more about that from the horse's mouth. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> court... <laughs> Courts, apparently a Dutch court, agrees to free Tornado Cash developer Alex Pertsev pending trial. Decrypt, Andrew Asmikov tells us about this poor dude who I think has been in jail for two years. A court in the Netherlands has ruled that Alexei Pertsev, a Tornado Cash developer who was arrested in August by Dutch authorities over allegations of facilitating money laundering, will be allowed to return home, return home next week pending trial. Okay, so last August. That's not two years, but still, it's, dude, really? Whatever. Decrypt has confirmed the news with people familiar with the matter. Pertsev is expected to be released on April the 26th without having to pay any financial security and will be permitted to return home. However... 
he will be required to have electronic monitoring devices installed at his residence. Quote, Today, Alex fought for his own personal freedom, speaking for himself, defending his stance as a crypto builder, founder of the Amsterdam-based educational group CryptoCanal, Eleanor Blanc, who was present at today's hearing at the Hertzenbosch court, told Decrypt, quote, The judge heard Alex, and under certain conditions, <coughs> excuse me, as of next week, he will be able to stay home until his trial, added Blanc, describing Pertsev as a believer in the cypher, cypherpunk fundamentals of crypto, privacy, decentralization, and ownership. Russian-born Pertsev was arrested on August the 10th in 2022 by the Dutch Fiscal Information and Investigation Services, the agency responsible for investigating financial crimes in the Netherlands. He was charged under suspicion of facilitating money laundering by mixing cryptocurrencies through Tornado Cash, a decentralized Ethereum mixing service, and was held in custody since then without a trial. Shortly before that, the United States authorities sanctioned Tornado Cash, alleging that it was linked to North Korean state hackers Lazarus Group and assisted with laundering as much as $7 billion with a B dollars since 2019. Earlier, the Dutch public prosecutor had claimed that Pertsev was a flight risk and could tamper with evidence if released, but had not provided any specific details to support said allegations. Today's hearing brought no new revelations, according to Bitcoin developer Jors uh, Provost, who was also in the court. Quote, Pertsev maintains that he did everything he could to prevent criminal abuse within the constraints of a decentralized sy- uh, system, Provost wrote in a Twitter thread. Quote, prosecutors expect smart contracts to prevent deposits of criminal proceeds, which is essentially a ban, end quote. A further investigation hearing in the Alex Pertsev case will be held May the 24th. So this poor dude has been railroaded pretty hardcore. I mean, yeah, Tornado Cash is an Ethereum thing, but honestly, every once in a while, we do have items that overlap. And in this particular case, the items that overlap is being able to freely code. Just just to develop using software and programming languages that's a freedom of speech issue now clearly this guy's you know this is all going on in in the netherlands and it's all dutch and it's not the united states i get it i get it but at least in the united states we do have the first amendment and it was upheld and i want to say the was it the ninth court i can't remember what california's uh court of the appellate court uh circuit is the number I think Texas is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, but what went down in California, uh, a lot of people say that the the that cryptography was upheld as a freedom of speech right by the Supreme Court. It wasn't. It was upheld by an appellate court, and I believe it was happening in California. And that's the one. That's the one that basically is still being used to say that coding with computer programming is freedom of speech. It's a First Amendment right, which means that we already hold the right as human individuals born on this planet, and the Constitution degrades the ability of the state to do anything against us acting on freedom of speech. If I want to have, if I perform freedom of speech, my right was already there. It wasn't granted by the state The First Amendment limits the state's power for me to perform freedom of speech. 
I already had the right. The First Amendment does not grant me that right. The First Amendment completely curtails the state from infringing on that which I already possess. So that goes for for at least, I'm just going to say at least the Bill of Rights. And... The free, you know, freeing the slaves and like allowing women to vote, which is like, you know, getting into the 15th Amendment past that. It's a bunch of fucking hooey. But in either event, let's say that, you know, all, you know, the First Amendment all the way up to women's suffrage that you had the right to vote. You had a say, right? You have the right. You, you are born with the right to be secure in your property and your papers, right? You're born with the right not to have the government quarter troops in your domicile right? You're born with that. The, the, the bill of rights and the extensions to, you know, for making sure that nobody was a slave, all that just curtails the state's ability to infringe upon the rights that you already hold. If you thought that the bill of rights extended you the right or gave you the right or caused that right to come into being, you're looking at the Constitution of the United States in the wrong way. That's not how it works. I highly recommend that you reach out and start doing a little bit of you know research about what I said, but we're born with these rights. That's what the Constitution says. And all those amendments make sure that the state is cannot infringe upon those rights that you already possess. Now, harped on that long enough. Moving on, <clears throat> Orange Pill app is accelerating hyper-Bitcoinization in real life. Bitcoinmagazine.com. Robert Hall is writing it. The team over at Orange Pill app is breaking new ground toward Bitcoin adoption on a peer-to-peer level. But if you don't know anything about this platform, here's a rundown. It's an app available on iOS or Android that helps you find local Bitcoiners in your area. How often have you felt like you're the only Bitcoiner in town? I know I have plenty of time (laughs) or plenty of times. Wouldn't it be nice to make new friends that love Bitcoin as much as you do in real life? Well, this is what the Orange Orange Pill app is all about. Building friendships and building a thriving Bitcoin community, one meetup or connection at a time. And as of this writing, there are thousands of users. In addition to helping you find new Bitcoiners in your area, Orange Pill app is also on a mission to Orange Pill businesses. How much better would it be if we could spend sats at our local bars, hotels, or restaurants? That would be awesome, right? It definitely would add some rocket fuel toward the goal of achieving a Bitcoin standard. To make this happen, Orange Pill app has partnered with btcmap.org to use demand-side pressure to orange pill merchants in mass. When this new feature is launched, the app will be able to plug the number of its users into BTC Map to show how many Bitcoiners are in a given area. This data will be shown to business owners so that they can understand if there's an active group of Bitcoiners ready to spend sats at their establishments, then they will do so. <clears throat> This is a win for small business owners because they can instantly gain new customers without advertising. Bitcoiners are eager to spend sats and support businesses that accept Bitcoin. One thing I understand about Bitcoiners is that they are loyal and believe in Bitcoin to the core of their beings. This is a win for Bitcoin educators as well. Instead of spending valuable time explaining Bitcoin's tenants to each individual business owner, those owners can see the demand with their own eyes. 
And once one business starts accepting Bitcoin and seeing results, word will spread like wildfire among other business owners. It's all about creating a network effect at the business level. The road to hyper-Bitcoinization will take different methods and vectors to reach the masses. This could be a highly effective method of orange-pilling the people who we need to create a new Bitcoin-based economy. Hats off to the team over there at Orange Pill App. I can't wait to see what else comes out with... Uh, Hold on. I can't wait to see what else it comes out with in the coming months and years. Remember, stack stacks friends who stack sats stacks. It says stacks friends who stack sats, and I think it's stack friends who stack sats. That I agree with. Again, that's Robert Hall talking about Orange Pill app. And here, so here's the deal: human beings are predators. And that's important to understand when it comes to how do we ingest massive amounts of information? Our eyeballs. You can tell that we're predators and you can tell everything that is a predator in the animal kingdom by where its eyes are located, except in the case of some cases like sharks, because they have an extraordinary sense of smell, right? But especially terrestrial animals, things that live on the land, are their eyes close together and looking forward? If they are, they're a predator. Are their eyes on the sides of their head and looking to the sides? If they are, they are prey. You can, I mean, those two things will tell you everything that you need to know. A fox, dog, cat, predators. Humans, predators. Why? Stereoscopic vision. We get depth we have a depth perception that prey animals do not have. Prey animals only look for movement over the widest area that they can, hence why their eyes are on the side of their head. We look for movement, but we also look for distance. And those two things by themselves means that our visual cortex is laid out in a completely different way than prey animals. And that goes into everything else in the way that we do our shit, including ingesting massive amounts of information. And that means a map, a physical map, something that you can look on a screen or look on a piece of paper and you know where you are and you know the direction that you're going and it shows you the roadways and how to get there. But maps come in many, many different flavors. Believe me, I know. I, I do a lot of, well, did a lot of geographic information systems and GIS depends on a base layer map because without that map, you can't tie a whole bunch of information together like how close things are, what are their clustering dynamics, all, you know, what are their movements, all kinds of shit can be shown on a map. So if you go to Orange Pill app and you put in your location data, I know, I get it, I get it. You don't probably don't even have to put in your full address, just the closest town that you live in, right? You know, like for me, I might even put I might even put in Moscow, Idaho, even though that I'm in Eastern Washington. It it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, just as long as you're like, just put in like if you just pick some ad, pick like the address of if they do ask for an address, and I'm not exactly sure if they do. I think they do. I'm going to be using it later today to see how this thing works. Um, pick a, a post office address. That that's all anybody needs to know. Don't put in your home address. 
Don't put in your business address. Don't put in anything that can identify exactly where you're at. Because even though I like the guys over at Orange Pill app, I think they're doing some great work. It doesn't mean that uh, you need to be that uh, uh casual with your location data. All right. So just, just be aware. But once that information is ported to a physical map that somebody can see, then all manner of stuff starts to make sense because why we are prey animals or are predator animals. We have stereoscopic vision. Our visual cortex drives quite a bit about our mannerisms and how we act and what we do. And it's amazing just how pervasive our sight is when it comes to who we are, our personalities, and the amount of information that we can ingest. So showing somebody a map instead of like, well, there's there's 50 Bitcoiners in the area. Okay, I don't give a shit. But if you show them a map and there's 50 dots and it's all clustered around like, I don't know, like let's say... Uh, uh, well, there's probably more than, you know, a hundred, let's say that there's a thousand people in Spokane and you can actually lay them out as to where your, uh, where you, the guy that has the store that you're talking to, here's your address. Here's the clustering of Bitcoiners that are closest to you. Put your name and address in here, start accepting Bitcoin. And all of a sudden you might actually get these people. So do me a favor and at least give uh, Orange Pill app a shot. Again, it's on iOS and Android. Uh, it's, let's see if we can uh, help that shit along. Remember, do not put in your home address. Just put in a post office address. That works too. All right, here we go. Bitcoin core developer Dhruvkaran Mehta steps away and teases a new startup idea. So we're losing another dev, which is fine. I wish people would stop freaking out about this kind of thing. Anyway, this is written by who? Uh, Frederick Munawa for Coindesk.com. Dhruvkaran Mehta, prominent Bitcoin contributor, the primary open source software for connecting to the world's largest blockchain, says he's stepping away from the project to focus on a new Bitcoin-related startup idea. Bitcoin Core is an open-source project, yes, we know, <laughs> Sty, uh, that relies on grants, stipends, and the goodwill of its contributors. So Meta was technically a paid volunteer funded by grants from Spiral, a subs subsidiary of Jack Dorsey's block that focused on funding Bitcoin development, the Human Rights Foundation, and Gemini, which is the Winklevi Twins crypto exchange. Meta began contributing to Bitcoin Core in August of 2020 and primarily worked on improving Bitcoin's peer-to-peer -peer protocol through BIP324. Bitcoin's P2P protocol governs the communications between nodes in the network. That communication is currently public and not encrypted, making the network vulnerable to various attacks and vulnerabilities. BIP324 seeks to reduce the potential of such attacks by introducing a version of the P2P protocol that encrypts messages between Bitcoin nodes. Meta, a former Google software engineer, did not elaborate on what his startup idea is, but he's no stranger to the startup world. In 2013, he launched Outbound, a messaging platform that raised $2.2 million and was eventually acquired by Zendesk in 2017. Quote, BIP324 is going into better hands than mine, Meta tweeted. I have a Bitcoin startup idea I am so excited about. Some nights it's hard to sleep. I feel in my body that I must give it a go. To risk nothing is to risk everything. Wow, that's the end of the article. 
And that is one hell of a way to put it. If you risk nothing, then are you even alive? You know, I was talking about that yesterday. It's like if all, if the only thing that makes you happy during your day is the fact that you're, when you look at your 401k, like you don't like your job, you don't like your pay, but and somehow or another you find solace in your 401k, you're waiting to die. I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't put it any more polite than that. But the truth always hurts. And honestly, I love this. To risk nothing is to risk everything. God dang, man, let's shit, let's just run the numbers off that. CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas intermediate oil is still having a bad day. Was having a bad day yesterday, having a bad day today. One and a half points to the downside to $77.91. Brent North Sea is down well over two points to $81.14 a barrel. Natural gas, however, is up 1.4% to $2.25 a thousand. And gasoline is down 2.6%, down to $2.57 a gallon. Nice. And metals are mixed. Gold is up well over half a point to $2,019.50. Silver is up almost barely nothing, $25.38 an ounce. Platinum is up a quarter of a point, but copper is down well over a full point. Palladium is down over two points. Most of the ag stuff is basically down today with cotton being the biggest loser in my, my, my. Four and a quarter points to the downside. Biggest winner today is rice one and a quarter to the upside. I got live cattle. It's going to make make ranchers happy today, at least a little bit. Uh, 0.41% to the upside. Lean hogs, however, are down well over a full point, almost a point and a quarter. Feeder cattle are up almost a full point. So again, cowmen out there everywhere rejoice, at least for today. Dow is down 0.11%. S&P is down 0.21%. NASDAQ is the only thing up but only scant 0.07% to the upside on NASDAQ. S&P mini is down 0.04 and real money's having its problems as well. $28,383.27. Sounds like a buy signal to me. Uh, 347,000 BTC sent in the last 24 hours. <clears throat> Average transaction value of 1.2 BTC. Median transaction value 0.014 BTC or $405.50. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 26 seconds, 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, and 20.4 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. Looks like we've had the difficulty adjustment, uh, 0.43% to the upside to 48 trillion. Uh, We'll check on that with the, uh, uh, hopefully I'll remember to check on that when I get to mempool. We've had a 7.97% decrease in hash rate, which always happens right after uh, a difficulty adjustment, or at least over the you know over the history that I've been really noticing what's going on. Uh, every time there's a d- difficulty adjustment completes, especially if it goes to the upside, uh, there's always some people decide to shut down their uh, their miners. Maybe it's because well that difficulty adjustment uh, makes it where it's not profitable and they gotta wait. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, 343 exahashes per second. Dogecoin is at point 
or no, sorry, 8.3 United States pennies. So everybody got, everybody got hit. Shit coins, as usual, get hit worse than Bitcoin. Now, uh, Clark Moody dashboard, $552 billion is the market cap of Bitcoin. That is 4.11% of gold's market cap. You may purchase 14.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are. 19,351,499 and a half and 5,436.4 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $155 million sporting 74,435 payment channels and 66.3% of all of Lightning Network is being run over Tor. Uh, we have an estimated difficulty change of minus 23% on May the 4th, 2023. Remember what I told you. Right after a difficulty change, there's not enough data for this calculation to actually present what we're going to do. So as of today, it's 0.23.9%. I guarantee you tomorrow it's going to be single digits, either up or down. It doesn't really matter. Now, mempool.space. We got, oh, let's see, six, 12. We have 12 blocks waiting uh, waiting to clear mempools at this point. Uh, nothing's being purged because mem memory usage on uh, default mempools is at 59 megabytes out of the 300 megabyte default size. 22,000 unconfirmed transactions are waiting on these blocks to clear. We have a low priority of 18 Satoshis per V-byte, a high priority next block priority at 20 Satoshis per V-byte. That's about 80 cents for a regular old-fashioned SegWit transaction. And let's see if I can get to uh, what we're doing on uh, hash rate and whatnot. Hash rate, uh, according to mempool.space, is 327.3 exahashes per second. Difficulty is 48.71 trillion. So there you go, man. There you go. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. ZBD announces Bitcoin Games Day with Guild's wagering platform. This should be interesting. BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. What do we got here? ZBD, a Bitcoin-powered payments processor for the gaming industry in partnership with Guild's, a new skill-based wagering platform is set to host Bitcoin Games Day, a gaming event with hundreds of USD worth of Bitcoin prizes. The day-long event will be held on April the 22nd with gamers around the world competing. The event will include boosted rewards intended to invite the next slew of gamers into the rewarded gaming universe, the press release states, quote, running a worldwide promotional event, Alongside a partner such as ZBD that has years of experience in rewarding gaming gives us a great opportunity to demonstrate the superiority of our business model for multiplayer PVP gaming in front of a wide audience, said Kabir Hamrajani, CEO and co-founder at Guilds, quote, with Hellfire Arena, our very first game, Players can enjoy an ad-free PVP experience and put their skills to work to earn real money all within one global monetary network built around Bitcoin, end quote. The event will be sponsored by ZBD, Guilds, Dubs, Thunder Games, Geyser, and several other Bitcoin gaming studios, developers, and startups that want to bring Bitcoin-rewarded gaming closer to the masses all over the world. 
The event will offer double rewards in games from its most high profile partners, including Bitcoin Miner by Fum, uh, Brain Doku by Merka, and Coin Mahjong by Bear Hug Entertainment, as well as in its own Saru Tobi and Lightning Crush mobile games. Quote, for many people, Bitcoin games have been their first contact with the global digital economy. With our technology and products that merge gaming and finance, we've been making that passage smooth, easy, and most of all, fun. Because if it's not fun, why do it, honestly? Uh, Said Ben Cousins, Chief Strategy Officer at ZBD, quote, Now, after all this time, we feel it's time to throw a party to commemorate how far rewarded gaming with Bitcoin has come and look down the wider road towards its almost endless possibilities, end quote. Gamers can register on Hellfire. Uh, oh, sorry. Gamers can register on the Hellfire Arena app to secure their welcome bonus of 1,000 Satoshis and start practicing in daily tournaments leading up to Bitcoin Games Day. Games by other ZBD partners are already available and discoverable within the ZBD app and require no upfront payment or entry fees to start paying. playing. For more information on Bitcoin Games Day, visit BitcoinGamesDay.com. That's BitcoinGamesDay.com. Um, if you're interested in video games and its collision with Bitcoin and the whole that whole thing, and spe- specifically Lightning Network is where it's really shining, uh, you might... Consider looking, taking a real good hard look at ZBD, Thunder Games, and get into this by going to BitcoinGamesDay.com. Bankrupt crypto lender Voyager has sealed a Fed deal for $1 billion Binance U.S. acquisition. This is interesting because Binance is in trouble. And I guess the Fed, the I don't know. This is this is kind of bizarre. You'd think that everything would be like, nope, you're not doing jack until we figure this out. But apparently that's not the case. This is written by who? Andrew Asmakoff for Decrypt. Voyager Digital Holdings has reportedly reached an agreement with the United States federal government to proceed with a $1 billion plan to sell its assets to the American arm of the crypto exchange, Binance. The news was shared by the Voyager Official Committee of Unsecured Creditor, or UCC, on Wednesday. Quote, Voyager, the UCC, and the federal government reached a resolution that will allow the plan to move forward and go effective shortly, the UCC said in a Twitter thread. According to the committee, quote, the resolution is embodied in a joint stipulation providing that the appeals will continue with respect to the plan's exculpation provision, with the government agreeing that the Binance U.S. acquisition of Voyager's assets, quote, may move forward without such provision and will not otherwise be subject to the stay, end quote. The committee added that together with Voyager, it is seeking to help Binance U.S. move forward as quickly as possible once this stipulation is approved by the district court, end quote. Decrypt has reached out to Binance, haven't heard back. The approval comes three weeks after the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York temporarily halted a previously reached agreement that would see Binance.us pay $20 million in cash for Voyager and take on crypto assets deposited by the firm's customers. 
Voyager filed for bankruptcy last July after disclosing significant exposure to the failed crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital and has been actively working on a plan to redistribute funds to its investors since then. The firm reached an agreement with FTX for the exchange to purchase its distressed assets in September. However, the deal was taken off of the table after FTX declared bankruptcy all on its own and its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, was charged with multiple financial crimes. Now, in December of 2022, after the purported deal with FTX fell through, Voyager revealed that Binance.us had made the highest and best offer for its distressed assets with the approximate value of the deal of $1.02 billion U.S., A February court filing showed that 97% of the 61,300 account holders of Voyager supported the agreement with Binance, yet regulators including the United States Securities and Exchange Commission and the Federal Trade Commission have raised concerns about the deal. The SEC has launched an investigation into whether Voyager violated federal securities laws and failed to adequately explain how it will safeguard customer assets after the transfer to Binance.us. The FTC, meanwhile, alleged that the deal would unlawfully shield Voyager from accountability for actual fraud, willful misconduct, or gross negligence, end quote. In a separate filing altogether, the New York Department of Financial Services said Voyager onboarded customers in the state of New York and, quote, thus illegally operated a virtual currency business in the state without a license, end quote. Aside from the above, Binance.us itself is facing regulatory hurdles that could possibly impact the exchange's ability to finalize the deal, and it probably will, honestly. Because Binance.us ain't exactly like, uh, you know, not being looked at real hard by all these same things. So I'm very surprised that any movement forward was allowed, much less sanctioned by the United States federal government. But it is what it is. Everybody's probably just very, very tired. <laughs> it's also tiring. Now, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Do we want to do this one? I might just put that one at the last. Let's do these first. Oh, good Lord. Did this really time out? Oh, for fuck's sake. Let's do this one first. Okay. Judge says that the Department of Justice can call OpenSea NFT case insider trading and sets a trial date. Decrypt Jeremy Nation is writing. A trial date is now set for OpenSea's former head of product, Nathaniel Chastain, who will face charges on April the 24th show court documents, or court documents show is the way it should have read. When the case goes to trial, Chastain will face charges of wire fraud and money laundering. In a memo filed yesterday, United States District Judge Jesse M. Furman denied a number of motions filed by both sides of the case and said Chastain's arguments about use of the term insider trading are moot. The DOJ has called the case against Chastain the first insider trading scheme involving digital assets. However, a question of precedent in terms of insider trading remains as the assets in question are neither defined as securities nor as commodities, Chastain's lawyers have argued. When you thank Gary Gensler for that, I suppose. Charges were first brought against Chastain in October of 2022 when he was indicted Oh, good Lord. When he was indicted in connection with alleged illegal profit from NFT sales in 2021, 
Prosecutors said Chastain used inside knowledge of which NFTs would appear on the front page of OpenSea to buy NFTs ahead of being featured and sell them for a profit once highlighted on the site. The judge did grant the government's motion to preclude witness opinions in the case. A second motion was also granted to preclude arguments that OpenSea suffered no harm with the caveats that expert testimony may open the door to evidence around the effects or lack thereof of Chastain's conduct, Furman wrote in the memo. The court could also wind up hearing from Chastain directly on how he thinks his actions impacted his former employer. The judge wrote that Chastain may elect to testify on his beliefs regarding the effects of his conduct on OpenSea on the theory that such testimony would be probative of willfulness and intent, end quote. Furman also ruled that Chastain may be entitled to cross-examine the witnesses about the clarity of the agreement or lack thereof, and that the court may rule on the matter at trial. Meanwhile, in another case of digital asset insider trading, former Coinbase product manager Ishan Wahi pleaded guilty to two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in February, Wahi's attorneys made a similar, similar argument and tried to have the Securities and Exchange Commission's case dismissed on the grounds that there's still no regulatory clarity that the tokens he traded are securities. Prosecutors filed charges against Wahi, his brother Nikhil, and another, Samir Rahmani, as the SEC simultaneously brought civil charges against the trio for allegedly violating securities laws. Well... Okay, there you go. Um, I was going to read this. Cointelegraph has been having a hell of a day today with their website. So I got a 504 gateway timeout on this particular story. But it appears that Peter McCormick's Real Bedford Football Club has won the league. Congratulations, Peter. I know, uh, you know, I, I get that a lot of people, you know, give Peter shit. But, uh, you got to hats off, dude. You won the league with a football club that last year didn't have any shot at winning the league. At least that's f from what I understand. So honestly, come on, man, put your hands together for Peter. He won. He, 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 he local. Okay. I don't, I know lots of people are mad at Peter. Why? Why? What, what's that going to do? I don't like the fact that he shills fucking gambling sites on his, <clears throat> on his podcast. But that's not really for me to decide now, is it? <laughs> I can't tell him what to do. So I can, I can not be happy about some of the things that he does, but I don't have a problem congratulating Peter McCormick for Real Bedford Football Club winning the league. Congratulations, man. That's really, that's kind of cool, honestly. Now, uh, let's see. Let's finish off with this one. We're going to get into some communism here. <laughs> I'm not a communist. I think communism starves people to death. I think it steals their property. I think it steals their time. I think it makes them less than human. There is nothing about communism that I enjoy. However, it is a perspective. So let's get Frank Kashner's perspective out of Bitcoin magazine. Bitcoin puts power in the hands of the workers. 
1971, I joined a communist party while working in the factory of the highest paid general electric defense plant in the country. I was repulsed by pictures of our military dropping napalm on Vietnamese children, convinced that the justifications of our government were lies, and I was drawn to the idea that, quote, the working class would soon take over the world and create a utopia. The group I joined was split off from the American Communist Party. It was supposed to be democratic and centralist. I quit the group after two months when it tried to give me orders without understanding what was actually happening. I saw that it was all about centralism without any democracy, but I stayed in the GE factory for 13 years participating in movements that reformed both the workers' union and General Electric. But, but, what about revolution? And who are the, quote, workers? I did not have a violent bone in my body and treated the terms revolution and workers like metaphors, not taken seriously by me or anyone else, including our probable FBI monitors. But the need for democratic social and political change stayed with me, and my notion of the workers grew to include almost everyone who is not a billionaire or a flunky. Over the years, I participated in personal, union, community, school, environmental, and political reform efforts, always aware that, even though we often won victories, we were shoveling shit against the incoming tide of empire, greed, militarism, autocracy, and disintegration. In 2017, I met Bitcoin and was entranced by the idea of money that was independent of corporations and governments, limited to $21 million, created by solving math problems. They're not problems, they're just guessing. Guarded by vigilant nodes, decentralized and not rigged by or for the elite. Over the past year, I have learned from the brilliant Bitcoin community, including people like Jeff Booth and Jason Lowry, Bitcoin is a tool of international, nonviolent economic revolution against corruption. Bitcoin strikes at the heart of corporate and governmental theft from our families, of our labor, our property, and our intellect. This applies to every government fiat debt-based system in the world. In his magnificent book, Debt, The First 5,000 Years, David Graeber shows us how national debt-based systems always result in inflation, and then in war, and then revolution. Bitcoin does not replace the need for political organizing and resistance, but I am now convinced that political and economic reform cannot succeed peacefully without Bitcoin. And for the first time in history, Bitcoin offers a nonviolent path to stable and increasing value of our labor in all of its forms. For we, quote, workers of the world, progressives have been slow to do the work to understand economics and Bitcoin and to join this movement. To them, I say, wake up. Many of you reading this have tried to reach friends and relatives about Bitcoin, often without success. And for some of them, I have a possibly more compelling message. Graeber points out <clears throat> that our economy is dependent upon military spending as great as all of the other nations of the world combined. This spending has in turn depended upon the dollar being the global reserve currency. Other nations are now moving away from the dollar. That movement plus the billionaire wealth grab, or, well, sorry, hold on. That movement plus the billionaire wealth gap plus our current mountain of debt and the resulting inflation is running out the clock of our economic system. This result follows. Our crumbling infrastructure, insurance-dominated healthcare, 
insufficient housing, schools under attack, racism, misogyny, religious nationalism, an an inability to respond to the destruction caused by global warming (laughs) and our dissolving social fabric are problems that cannot be solved under our current debt-based economic system. As our economy inevitably declines, every other just cause suffers. If you care about any of those things in the future of our children, then you need to learn about Bitcoin. Every government in the world, capitalist and communist, is now deep in debt. The money stolen from current and future generations. They're, they're all unsustainable economically and environmentally. They are all Ponzi schemes. And like all Ponzi schemes, they depend upon our knowledge, belief, and acceptance to keep going. Historically, systems that reached high levels of misery and inequality ended in revolution, war, or both. For the first time in human history, we've got a vehicle that goes to the heart of our financial and economic system. It is increasingly available for both savings and transactions. It steps around police and military batons, guns and tanks, and establishes unimpeachable value for our labor, for our remittances home, for our savings and our retirement. Lowry posits that Bitcoin can replace much of our over-resilience or reliance on violent military non-solutions. Non is in parentheses there. The corruption of our political system sits atop patronage and cultural hierarchies some centuries old and some modern. The hierarchies dominating both United States political parties are designed to shield and obscure those responsible. Remember Jeffrey Epstein and his client book? and to limit participation in organizations for change, including Bitcoin. Our ability to have a say in how we are governed at the federal, state, or city levels is decreasing as schools and towns face budget shortfalls in step with the declining value of the money in our pocket. Our democracy is under attack at every level. This decline, as measured by groups that track freedom worldwide, correspond to the United States dollar decline in purchasing power. The dollar, including the value of our labor, goes down. Freedom goes down. Massive strikes, demonstrations, and resistance to the disintegrating world order are occurring in other countries but are poorly covered in our corporate media. Teachers, medical and healthcare workers, farmers, machinists, retail workers, transportation workers, the underemployed, the unable to work of all countries. It's time to unite. We have nothing to lose but the chains of billionaires, their flunkies, their rotten financial and political system, and their often cruel or clueless managers. And for the first time in history, we have a tool that values our labor and our ideas, that steps around their corruption, that enables us to transfer value at the speed of light to avoid their fees, to make use of stranded and wasted energy. Bitcoin is a peaceful, worldwide, economic revolution with profound social and political implications. No weapons other than your learning, imagination, courage, and participation are required. And you will have to see through all of their propaganda, their fear, uncertainty, and doubt, aim to delay, devalue, and defeat it. Let's end it right there. That's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. wanted to take a breath on that one because as I was reading it, I'm not sure where the, I'm not sure where communism ends and are, you know, the beliefs of the people that I hang out with when it comes to Bitcoin begin. I'm not sure just how much of an overlap there is. 
I'm not sure if it's there's no overlap or if there's nothing but overlap. I, I can't tell if this guy was actually ever a communist. I can't tell if he was actually ever an environmentalist. And I can't tell uh, when I'm reading this, I can't tell where I'm at in this. Because honestly, and let's be very clear about this, I hate communism. I can't stand it. And I think that I can't stand it because I think it's possible that what communism did was usurp a lot of really good things as a marketing ploy to get people to go, yeah, we should be concerned about workers' rights. Yeah, you should. Because people that work shouldn't be basically turned into slaves, which we all are. But that's another, that's a whole other rant. Okay, you probably should be concerned about the environment. God knows I am, but that doesn't mean that if I was mining with a shitload of miners that I would shut them off because I don't believe that it makes, I don't think that it does anything to the environment, but help it, right? Uh, I'm not exactly certain that it's a good idea to concentrate the amount of wealth and power into the hands of a few individuals that may or may not be sociopathic. I'm just saying these are, these are, I think these are all ideas that Marxism and then socialism and communism kind of basically pulled together as parts of the human condition, the things that we've always been fucking concerned about and turned it into a marketing package. And it didn't really matter that they were selling you on all these ideas because I don't think communism was selling anybody on any of those ideas. That was the distraction of communism. Control, utter, total, ubiquitous control was the goal of communism and socialism and Marxism and all that bullshit. It was the the utter and overall concentration of Everything, all wealth, all time, all people, all ideas into the hands of the fewest amount of people possible, which turns out to be what? Fucking sociopaths, which do what? Kill millions of people all the time. And as I'm reading this thing, you know, this guy's like, you know, join the Communist Party and all that kind of shit. You know, and if your if your stomach is turning by what I'm saying, I then it's because you don't understand what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that all the things that communism purported to give a shit about were things that human beings already gave a shit about because they're human. The fact that they collected it up into a marketing scheme, that was the evil. That was the evil. You can be concerned about the rights of a worker and not be a communist. You can be a complete capitalist. Why as a capitalist would I give a shit about the people that work for me? Because I want them to work for me. I hired them to do a particular job. I don't want them to stop doing that job. And I'd like that job to actually be done better and possibly faster. And the way that you do that is you have people that are performing that function and they're happy. They're not depressed. They're not worried about what's going to happen when they go home that night. And that doesn't mean to, you know, to make the owner of the business completely unhappy by mandating an exorbitant amount of, you know, like a minimum wage at 50 bucks an hour or something like that. Because that means that the business goes away and you end up doing what? Not only have you punished the business owner, the guy or gal that started the whole thing in the first place, 
You punish all the workers. And that's what communism sought to do. Or it certainly was very effective at doing things exactly like that. It said it was for the workers. But in the end, it punished the workers because it destroyed the ability of people that pulled ideas together, that made something happen, that required workers to perform a function. It destroyed them. And then after they left, there was no business to perform. And the workers got screwed too. Everybody got screwed on communism. The whole reason I'm even talking about this is that there's a lot of stuff here that resonates with me and none of it has anything to do with communism. That's, I think that's the whole point. People that say they're communist are worried about, you know, just a raft of shit and none of it has anything to do with communism. It's all bullshit. It's, it was a marketing ploy. If you don't think people were marketing shit back in the 1800s, you're lying. If you don't think they were marketing shit in the 17, 16, 15, 14 hundreds, you're lying. The only thing that I don't know, I don't know at all if something was being marketed after the year 1066, right? Battle of Hastings started the dark ages. We don't really know a whole lot about what happened between 1066 and the Enlightenment. We just don't. That's why they're called the Dark Ages. Not a whole lot of history was basically being either written or kept. So from in that in the Dark Ages, not sure if there was any marketing going on, but there probably was because that's the human spirit. I'm just saying marketing isn't new. Advertising isn't new. This is, none of this is new. And if you think that marketing and advertising and sales only applies to goods and services, you're, you're wrong. It applies to, I got to market myself as somebody, uh, that you can vote into office and I'll do the best job in the world for you. That's marketing ads and sales. You're, if you elect me, then that's the sale. I marketed myself as somebody who's going to work for you in Congress and you voted me in. I transferred my belief to you and now you believe it too and that transfer involved you voting for me that was marketing i pulled a whole bunch of ideas together that i think the most amount of people would resonate with and i said i'm going to do it all for you and then what generally happens once you vote somebody in you find out it was a lie communism same freaking thing so it was marxism and socialism and all that crap and capitalism honestly the way that it's marketed now has really nothing a lot to do with capitalism People just say, oh, capitalism means you want to be rich. No, it means I want to deploy capital to do a certain thing X. It might lose money. It might make money. I hope it makes money. I I hope it doesn't lose money because that means that the idea was bad and it goes away. That's kind of what capitalism actually is, but it's getting nothing but a huge bad rap because of the way that the people that are in power now have consolidated power and I don't include them as being actual capitalists. What do, what do I call them? Communists. Elizabeth Warren is a communist. Biden is a communist. And honestly, the Republicans like uh, McConnell, the turtleneck guy, communist. Warren Buffett, communist. These are not capitalists. And the reason I know that is because they're doing the exact same thing that communism did. They said they care about all these little things that might be included in what we think we knew as capitalism. 
But all it really does is consolidate power and wealth and into the hands of a very few set of a very small set of sociopaths. Same thing communism did. So I there our our team's version of capitalism reminds me a lot of their team's version of communism. And both of these ideas are nothing but marketing schemes. It's what's contained, the ideas that are contained in these things. A good capitalist doesn't want their workers sad and sick and unhealthy and weak. That's stupid. And any capitalist who's doing that, who thinks that that's the way to go, is not going to make it very far in life. Although many have, I get that, because they're leveraging the state against their worker, saying, well, if you don't work for me, good luck. And things are so bad everywhere else, nobody wants to do that. So they're leveraging the shitty state of affairs to do their bidding for them. That's part of the marketing plan. I'm just saying, we might want to look at people that thought they were communists, like what I believe Frank Kashner thought he was a communist. I don't think he was ever really a communist. I think he just cared about a great many things that most people actually do really give a shit about. Don't allow yourself to get duped by the marketing ploys of the powerful, the rich, the whatever. You stay humble. You stack sats. You buy Bitcoin. You hold Bitcoin. Write your ideas down either on paper or in a computer and, and ask yourself, how can I implement this? What would I have to do to be able to implement this? And stop worrying about what Warren Davidson says and stop worrying about Elizabeth Warren. Stop worrying about turtleneck McConnell, right? Or, or the lunatic that we have. Actually, he's not even a lunatic. He's just a mental patient that we have sitting in the chair of the president of the United States. It's just, I mean, the whole thing is a clown show, as I told you yesterday. If you're giving your energy over to that, if that is something that you actually think matters, then your energy is being wasted. So divert it back to something that you can do, something you're interested in, something that you want to explore, something some business that you want to do, and start asking yourself the hard questions of how can I? Not how can't, how is it that this is not, why is it not possible today? That's a, that is a psychic vampire question. And the minute you ask yourself that, it sucks all the air out of the room. How can I is the one that floods the air back into the room. And breathe that air because that air is fresh and clean. You do that and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.